Um, yeah, so this is, oh, I think I'll drop this, I'm not that tall. <laughs> there we go. Um, this is my last sermon before my long service leave. And um, yeah, 10 years of preaching. I'm looking forward to a rest. Um, preaching is good. I enjoy preaching and I'm, I'm glad to preach. It's also such a massive responsibility. And it's good to be able to um, have a break. Um, so we've been in a, a series um, lately and because it's school holidays and this is my last uh, sermon before service leave um, I'm going to preach something topical instead of um, carrying on with the series and it's actually something that's been burning in my heart for a long time now and it's this word well this is one word you can use to describe it watchfulness that's what I'm going to be speaking about um, this morning so um I think I'd like to pray as well. So if you'd bow your heads with me, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to share what's on my heart. And I pray that you would help me to say it in a way that is right and good and true and honoring of you and helpful to your people here gathered. And um, I pray, Lord, that you would um, give us all eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to understand and hearts to obey you this morning. Um, and just commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so there's a couple of scripture verses which relate to this idea of watchfulness, which um, came to mind as I prepared. There's a lot of um, other passages that I could draw on. Um, but these four were really topmost in my mind. And uh, the first one is where uh, Jesus says in Mark 13. In Mark 13, Jesus is talking about, um, it, it's a very apocalyptic speech about the end. And uh, right at the end, you know, after he's told them all this stuff that's going to happen, he says this. He says, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Watch. That's where this word watchfulness comes from. Jesus wants us to be watchful. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, pray without ceasing. Pray unceasingly. Don't stop praying. Pray all the time, everywhere and ongoing. Or 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Peter says, stay alert and be of sober mind. And then the one that uh, many of us know Proverbs 4 verse 23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart. And so as I thought about watchfulness, I thought about these verses. There are others that are relevant, but these give us a good sense of the idea of being watchful in our faith. Watch, pray unceasingly, be alert and of sober mind. Guard your heart. That's what I'm talking about this morning. And perhaps, you know, if we try and think of what, what words can we use that are contemporary, that people out there would understand uh, these things by, I thought maybe the words mindfulness and presence. We hear those words a lot these days, don't we? And I think they're good words. To be mindful is to pay attention and to be present is to live in the moment. Don't dwell in the past. 
Don't dwell in the future, dwell in the present. Live in the present. Dwell in the here and now. Now, obviously, from a Christian perspective, our focus is on God, Father, Son, and Spirit, our triune God. And so as Christians, these ideas of being mindful and being present are about being mindful of God in the present moment, wherever we are. We set our minds, we set our hearts on God. Now, we might ask, well, why do we need to be watchful? I could have uh, come up with a, a long list. I've got three reasons why we need to be watchful. Uh, we face a flurry of things every day that results in the need for watchfulness. Here's three. The first is negative thoughts. Thoughts of anger, thoughts of lust, thoughts of pride, thoughts of criticism or judgmentalism, or even thoughts of self-hatred and violence against ourselves and against others. Thoughts of bad things happening or wrong things happening. Perhaps even thoughts of grandeur or self-promotion. Blah, 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 right? The list is endless. Uh, the, the list of negative thoughts that we experience on a daily basis is endless. And then we have unwanted distractions. We have voluntary unwanted distractions and we have involuntary ones. Well, we might have voluntary ones that are actually wanted and are good, right? We need to rest. We need recreation. Um, we need Sabbath. Uh, God has built that in for us. So we might choose to engage in voluntary distractions, like we might watch a movie, and that can be a good thing if it's a wholesome movie, if it's a life-giving movie, obviously um, not a dodgy one. But I'm talking here about the involuntary distractions that interrupt us and steal our attention, that get in the way. The images and thoughts and intrusions which are like uninvited guests staying in our home, in our lives. We try to avoid anger and lust and pride and all the rest, but then we're unexpectedly exposed to an image or an interruption or a distraction or a thought which brings those bad things to the fore in our lives. And the third thing, I, I don't know what to call it, so I called it militant secularism. And I think that's basically, that sums everything up really. It, this all has to do with secularism. Our society is built on secularism. And when I use that word, what I'm meaning is consumerism and advertising and social media and all that stuff that just bombards us every day. Um, can you go 20 minutes without hearing a beep? That interrupts you. you. You're trying to be attentive to something. Beep. You know, email, text, Facebook, whatever it is, the phone rings. Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's bad things. But it's just this, this bombardment on our attention. And, and that can distract us and lead us to create space for negative thinking. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I thought... We in Australia, what do we say? We say, this can do your head in, right? Um, we live lives where we're just so distracted. We're just so full of negative thinking and all the secularism around us. And we really need to deal with this. We need ways of dealing with our negative thoughts, with distractions and with secularism. 
And as Christians, I believe one of the important ways of dealing with this is through watchfulness. I feel like I'm shouting. Is it loud enough? Okay. I feel sorry for you. If you two want to move, please feel free because... (laughs) Yeah, just turn your hearing aids down. Oh, oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so one of the ways to practice watchfulness is called unceasing prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. Pray without ceasing. How are you going to do that? I mean, we've got to get on with our lives. We're not in a monastery. We're not monks and nuns. We, you know, live normal lives. And how are we going to practice unceasing prayer? Well, the, the spiritual discipline of unceasing prayer is a biblical command. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, right? We are commanded to be unceasing in prayer. And I think that this is a particular type of prayer. Uh, it doesn't require us to be in church It doesn't require us to be alone at home. It's the type of prayer that is anywhere, anytime. In fact, everywhere, all the time. It's about having a a habit where we learn how to automatically turn our minds, ah, as it were, onto God, onto Father, Son, and Spirit throughout the day. So when a negative thought arises, instead of arguing with it, Because that's what we tend to do. We argue with our negative thoughts, but we always lose the argument because we give it the time of day. We shouldn't give it the time of day. We We don't suppress it. We don't argue with it, but we turn our attention on to God. Or when an unwanted distraction arises, instead of feeling exasperated, irritated, frustrated, we turn our attention on to God. What is God doing in this moment? Or when we are faced with the secularism around us, which is all the time, instead of falling into it or going along with it, we turn our attention onto God. This is all about our attention and where our attention is. It's about going through our days with attentiveness, attentiveness on God. We can't stop negative thoughts from arising. Um, All of us experience negative thoughts. We can't stop unwanted distractions from happening. That's going to happen. We can't stop all this from going on, but we can stop. We can learn to stop identifying with these things. Like think about thoughts. We are not our thoughts. We exist separate from our thoughts. We stand apart from our thoughts. I am not my negative thinking. Right? And that's a great relief. That's a wonderful freedom that we have. In my preparation for this talk, I came across another talk with a great title. Don't believe everything you think. (laughs) Right? I think it's great. Very wise words. Don't believe everything you think. Why? Because not everything you think is right and good and true and honoring of God and helpful for you or for those around you. Okay. So the question is, how do we learn how to do this? Because it is a habit that we need to learn. How do we instill this habit of automatically turning our attention onto God? This week, as I did my preparation, um, I was listening to another talk on this. And the speaker had an interesting method, which would probably annoy most of us. Um, He had a watch. 
that was set to beep every 10 minutes, right? And every time it beeped, he asked himself, what am I thinking? Where is my mind? Let me use this moment as an opportunity to turn my mind onto God and onto the things of God. Maybe some of us need to set our watches for 10 minutes uh, to realign, to recenter our lives on God, no matter what it is we're doing, whether we're washing the dishes or whatever. Other people set notifications on their mobile phones. Uh, some people wear bracelets or rings or necklaces. Um, just as, as reminders, you could have an often repeated activity. So every time I drink a glass of water, I'm going to realign my inner attention onto God and the things of God. And hopefully if you're a good water drinker, you're doing that eight to ten times a day. There are many ways and means of forming a habitual remembrance of God. We are prone to go through the day, aren't we? We might start the day with our Bible and a cup of coffee, which is good, and I encourage you to do that. But, you know, it's almost immediate that we're distracted and we forget about God and we just get on with things. And we need to learn through how throughout the day to bring us back to God. Uh, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 again says, Be alert and of sober mind. You know, let's not get drunk on our negative thoughts. Let's not get drunk on unwanted distractions. Let's not get drunk on militant secularism. Rather, let's be sober-minded and let's be alert to spiritual things, to the things of God. Now, as I prepared for this, I thought, I'm sure there's some good biblical characters who are good examples of this. And I thought of Daniel, the prophet. And in Daniel 6 verse 10, it says, Three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed. There's a good example for us. Three times a day, he spread it out through the day. Um, that's watchfulness. Having set times in our day where we pause and we physically and mentally orient ourselves to God. You know, he knelt. He used his body in that process. He did something that. You know, often our, our minds follow our bodies and our bodies follow our minds. And so we need, we're embodied creatures. We're not just brains stuck in a body. We're actually, you know, body and soul. And so we use our bodies. He knelt and he prayed. It's about interrupting our lives with thoughts of God, which don't tend to come naturally. It's not a natural thing until we've established a habit, a strong mental habit of switching our minds onto God throughout the day. Then it comes naturally. I wonder if you know that the early Christians prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day. One of the earliest post-New Testament documents called the Didache tells us that Christians were instructed to pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. They were also instructed to fast twice a week. Um, but that's another story. Um, Three times a day, every day. That's what we learn from our forefathers and our foremothers in the faith. Praying just like Daniel, three times a day. Imagine the power of saying these words three times a day, every day. Maybe we should pray the Lord's Prayer together now even, because I've got the words up there. So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Imagine, you know, your will be done, your kingdom come three times a day. That will orient us, it will form a habit in us. Now, my personal rule and practice is called the Jesus Prayer. And I've shared this with you before. The prayer consists of these words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this prayer comes to us from our Eastern Orthodox Christian brothers and sisters in the faith. And it grew up uh, from the 4th and 5th centuries. So it's got a really long legacy and pedigree. And of course, the words are thoroughly biblical. Who here has a problem with saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. None of us, I hope. Um, In fact, Richard Foster and Linda Grabiel in their book, Streams of Living Water, you may be familiar with Richard Foster, um, he, he's a, a Protestant and um, he, he's a contemplative Protestant. And he says this, that well, he and Linda write this, this prayer of the heart, which is another way of referring to the Jesus prayer, may well be one of the finest gifts Eastern Orthodoxy has to offer all Christians. It certainly is the most borrowable called the prayer of the heart because it's meant to help you drop your mind into your heart so that you live from the heart for the Lord as you say the prayer. And this prayer can be used to orient our minds and our hearts, you know, when the watch beeps or when the mobile phone notification goes off or when the, the bracelet on our wrist jingles or when we're drinking a glass of water. And we can do that throughout the day, just like we can choose to say the Lord's Prayer three times a day. We can say this much shorter and simpler prayer more often or in between the other three times that we pray the Lord's Prayer if we choose to do that. And it can have a profound impact on our lives, on how we think, how we speak and how we act, no matter where we are, what we're doing. Now, I just want to clarify the meaning of this prayer before it's misused. This prayer is not some criminal in a courtroom appealing to an unforgiving judge, you know, please. Or, or someone in almost like an abusive relationship saying, please don't hurt me. That's not what it's saying when we say sinner. What we're saying is we're saying it's more like we're a patient in the hospital. And there's this kind, loving, compassionate doctor next to our bed. And we're asking that doctor for help. So we're, we're praying it as the patient, not as the criminal. Okay? And uh, we're appealing not to the unforgiving judge, but to the kind, healing doctor. That's what, what's meant by the word sinner. And the Greek word for mercy is very much related to the Greek word for olive oil. And we all know olive oil is, has a variety of good and healthy uses. Olive oil back then and even today has four uses. It's medicinal, isn't it? We can use it as medicine for healing wounds. And it's nourishment. We put it on our salads or whatever we're eating. And it's nutrition in our meals. 
Also, it's illumination. It can be used to light lamps or candles. We probably don't use it for that much anymore, but it can be used for that. And it's also used for anointing, another use that we don't often use it for. But when we set someone apart for special use, we can pour oil on them. Just like in the old, old, old days when they anointed kings and prophets to be set apart for special use in God's kingdom. And so when we ask for mercy, like the patient in the hospital asking for mercy, what we're saying is heal me, nourish me, illuminate me, anoint me. And though we have body and soul in mind, God cares about both our bodies and our souls We probably have first and foremost our soul in mind in the sense that we're saying, heal my soul, nourish my spirit, enlighten my heart and anoint me for special use in your kingdom today. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now also just to clarify, this watchfulness is meant to be life giving. It's not meant to lead a person to become morose and overly serious and burdened. You know, like never smiling, I'm being watchful. You know, (laughs) that's not its point. It can lead to that if you do it in the wrong kind of way. But rather it means we become free. We become alive. We are grounded in the reality of God, which is a good thing, a, a wonderfully uplifting and motivating thing for our lives. And I think I would submit to you that when watchfulness is not life-giving, it's probably because we have a wrong conception of God. Think about it. If I'm going through my day every day trying to put my attention on God, but my conception of God is that He's severe, that He's angry, that He's unhappy, and that He's aggressive... Well, then my watchfulness is going to be pretty miserable and it's not going to be pleasant for me and it's not going to be pleasant for those around me. It's going to turn me into a curmudgeon. (laughs) But if my conception of God is that of Psalm 86 verse 15, then watchfulness will be a joy. What does Psalm 86 verse 15 say? But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's my conception of God. Then I'm going to want to turn my attention onto God throughout the day. I'm going to want to live in and out of that relationship with this compassionate God. Let me conclude. What's the bottom line here today? Well, the bottom line is this, that we would be healed in order to become a healing presence in the world. We want to be a healing presence in our families, in our workplace, in our schools and universities and in our communities. Jesus called us to be salt and light. Both those things have healing properties, right? We put ourselves out in the sunshine. Vitamin D makes us healthy. We uh, use salt Also, in a medicinal kind of way, salt is important. We are called to be salt and light. So as we ask Jesus to have mercy on us, we're asking him to anoint us, to set us apart for special use for him. We're healed 
in that experience to become healers. We're nourished in order to nourish. We are enlightened in order to enlighten. We are anointed in order to anoint. In other words, the fruit of watchfulness is Christ-likeness. We are called to be Christians. What is a Christian? A Christian is a little Christ. That's what the word means. You and I are called to be little Christs in the world. We are disciples of Christ. We are called to a commitment to Christ. And thereby, through that commitment to Jesus, we are transformed. We are in a process of transformation in our relationship with Christ. And then we are called to be agents of transformation in the world. And I would say that if we become a people who are committed to continual remembrance of God throughout the day, then we will be transformed and we will become transformers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your compassion and your grace and your loving kindness and faithfulness. We praise you and we ask that you would help us to become watchful, to guard our hearts, to be alert and of sober mind, to pray unceasingly, And as you commanded us to Jesus to watch. And I pray that this would lead to Christ-likeness and joy as we live our lives in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen.